We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on a Friday. Not a whole lot going on in terms of news that pertains to the Knicks. Um... You know, we got the draft combine. We're hearing some Knicks, uh, or the Knicks had some interviews with some players of note. Eh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Jason Kidd, who is reportedly one of the final candidates for the Knicks uh, coaching job before they hired um, Tom Thibodeau, uh, are uh, is close to getting hired by the Dallas Mavericks. I uh, I wish them, <laughs> I wish them the best of luck. Um, but uh, so. We we thought on today's episode we would have some fun with uh, the yeah, the NBA story of the week, which of course is Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. So I brought on the man who knows more about the Philadelphia 76ers than almost anybody, um, Dave Early. Dave Early, of course, has, has been on this podcast before. Um, he's great. He writes for Liberty Ballers and um, does uh, all kinds of stuff. He is a, uh, a Twitter maestro, one of my first regular interactions on Twitter. So we we got into some, you know, Nick's Philly stuff. We got into some Simmons stuff. We 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 ran the gamut. It was a really good conversation. You're gonna enjoy it. Um before we get to it though, I I, I do feel the need to at least acknowledge um a, a someone who 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 was in the, I guess you'd say in the news today. And this person who I'm about to acknowledge, I have to say, is a great man, a, a, a an honorable man, a noble man, a man who deserves a raise, quite frankly. And, um, man, if, if this is not worthy of, of entrance into the Hall of Fame, um, I don't know what is. And of course, I'm talking about David Fisdale's PR agent, um, because today a story dropped on the undefeated 
um, looks like it's by uh, someone by the name of Jesse Washington about David Fisdale. And I, I don't know if you're listening to this. Maybe you haven't seen the story. I had didn't even know about the story until uh, my producer extraordinaire, Andrew Claudio, made me aware that of his existence. And was like, you should read this thing and, uh, you know, talk about it on the pod. I'm like, okay. So this, man, uh, I got to tell you, this is a gem. It's a gem. Um, I'll I, I tell you, if I had never watched any basketball games um, over the course of the 2018-19 or 2019-20 season, and I had read this piece about this coach who, you know, through no fault of his own, obviously, um, coached the New York Knicks to a, uh, tw- uh, let me see if I could do some quick math in my head. Uh, is it a, a 21 and 83 record? Does that sound right? I think 21 and 83, something, something in that ilk. Um, through no fault of his own, um, was, was, was tasked with, you know, with just this impossible job. Um, let me first say, before I, I make my very quick point, because I'm not going to go on about this for too long, because quite frankly, it doesn't deserve it. Um, and the, the amount of journalism in this piece um, is befitting of, uh, quite frankly, not as many minutes as I've already um, dedicated to this. But I, I defended David Fisdale. Uh, for anybody who listens to this podcast for a while knows I, I defended him for, for quite a long time, because quite frankly, I, I looked at the situation. And I said, look, I mean, I don't know if he's a good coach. I don't know if he's a bad coach. What I do know is that given what he was giving, you know, he seems to be doing the best he can. Um, and then entering into the 2019, 20 season, um, after they struck out in free agency. Um, and it was just very, it became very clear early that the organization was not in a good place. Uh, something that, you know, we might've suspected, uh, after the Porzingis trade, obviously they've they've come out on the on the better end of that trade, but still how that went down, I, I you know I think there are questions to be asked, and then how the summer went down, and then how the season started out. Like so, I, I defended Fisdale almost to the end until it got to a certain point where you just looked at at what you were looking at on the floor, and you're like, well, look, this this person might just might not be a very good basketball coach, um. And I do think the organization was in a bad place. And he was partially the, the victim of that. And, I, and I'll even go a step further. I think if you gave him a head coaching job in a situation that was a good situation, um, he could probably do, you know, I think he could probably do an okay job um, with, with players, you know, because listen, you have talented players and you get a, a, a guy with half a brain, he'll probably figure out what to do with those guys because um, they make life a lot easier for you. All of that being said, I, I took, I, again, as someone who sat here and watched every one of those games that David Fisdale coached and wrote about them and podcasted about them, like this article that came out makes it sound as if he was some kind of a captive prisoner um, watching all of these events unfold around him uh, um, and just trying as he might with all of his resources to, to do what he could to, to, you know, rescue the sinking ship. It's a little bit much. 
It's a little bit much. And then to have an entire article about this man and the struggles he endured. And then, you know, obviously, the for again, for anybody who hasn't read the piece, um, it, it essentially trashes the Knicks as a as a hopeless situation. And then and then in one par- not it's not even in the, it's not even in in an actual paragraph it's in a parenthetical it's in a par- it's in parentheses it says oh well, by the way the Knicks finally made it back to the playoffs this season after an 8 year absence hey you know why that was partially cuz david fisdell wasn't the fucking coach anymore that's why i mean and, you know, and then it, it, it glosses over, I think, Julius Randle's name. Here, let me do a, a quick control F. Julius Randle's name is mentioned um, exactly in one paragraph. Um, the best player the Knicks could corral was power forward Julius Randle. And, yeah, there is some stuff from Fizdale about, like, oh, I was in, you know, should I play the young guys and hold them accountable or do this or do that? Like, Here's what. I'm going to say to David Fisdale, and um, with all due respect, I'm sure he's a wonderful journalist. I've never heard of him, Jesse Washington, and to the author of this article. Being an NBA coach is hard. It's really difficult. That's why there are, you know, there are only 30 of these jobs and the people who get it, get it through blood, sweat and tears. And, you know, they are theoretically the best of the best of the best. In their profession, there is absolutely no shame in taking an NBA head coaching job and being unable to do it to an adequate degree. But to take someone who took an NBA coaching job and look again, he was put in a difficult spot. All right. And I, by the way, I love that the quote of support from him from within the Knicks organization comes from Craig Robinson. Um, who, uh, someone, uh, within the team told me, uh, what was it? It was within the last year that Craig's, uh, Craig Robinson's idea. And this is again, after he had left the organization, Craig Robinson's idea of player development was taking players out to dinner. Um, I love that that's the guy they got in here to defend, uh, David Fisdale's honor. Um, anyway, I digress, um, to, to paint it like, you know, he was something other than one of those people who got this job and simply couldn't do it is disingenuous. You make all the excuses you want. You could, you could say anything about, again, yes, tough situation. You know who was put in a tough situation this year? Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau was put in a tough situation because he was entering into a world where he had a roster that was a bottom five roster by any metric in the league, picked to win, obviously, less games than anyone. Um, absolutely no clear like, oh, I should play the kids or, oh, I should play the vets. Like he had to figure all that shit out on his own. And guess what? He figured it out. Um, and it's not only Tibbs. You look across the league and like there's a reason why every year during coach of the year discussion, more than any other, more than any other NBA award, you get to you listen to podcasts, you read articles. And when it comes to coach of the year, you have literally I'm, I'm not being I'm hyperbolic here. You have literally 
upwards of 50 up to upwards of half the league who you get somebody in some corner there being like if this person isn't considered for coach of the year it is a travesty you know banging the fists on the table that's because you know a lot of coaches figure out ways to get this stuff right David Fisdale wasn't one of those guys we don't need to write an apology letter to him I'm sorry but we don't this piece is a load of crap and, you know, again, I apologize. Again, I'm sure that a journalist has paid his dues and he worked very hard on it. But come on. There needs to be some modicum of honesty um, in something that purports, purports to be journalism. Which this is not. So, um, you know, I'm sorry if I'm flying a little bit off the handle, but it's just like... You know, it, I mean, look, maybe if, if it's if it's acknowledged as a puff piece and this, it's supposed to get David Fisdale on the job, like, fine, great job, wonderful. Um, you know, but it's uh, it's just it falls a little bit short of the bar. That's all I'm gonna say about that. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, very happy to say he is a returning guest um you heard him here once before talking about uh we talked a little knicks and sixers i forget what was going on at that time but in any case um his it was stuff, preseason it was a preseason yeah i'm pretty sure it was and we were talking about you know, we i think you were trying to sell me randall 
and I oh, would, and I didn't right. want it. You didn't. Well, have the table. Well, we're gonna get into it. Have the table yeah, turn. An anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, you you find his stuff at Liberty Ballers. Um, all of their stuff is amazing. And uh, yes, Dave Early, welcome back to the show. You've already preempted our discussion by bringing up. <laughs> Some bad takes that I've had in the past, man. I mean, there's no limit to the amount of bad takes I've well, had. Well, mine was worse. I said no. So I uh, see all around. You know, it's we so we've for anybody who doesn't I don't know what we said on the last show, but like for anybody who doesn't who, who doesn't know the backstory between us when I was I think it was when I was first on Twitter, you were one of the literally one of the first people I interacted with on a regular basis. And we would always shoot the shit about like fake trades and like valuations and um it's just so funny because it's we're going on like five years now that me and you have been going back and forth yep and it's crazy because like you know we i think both of us take a lot of pride in how much we you know in the in the care we we we, we take in in evaluations and like thinking about players values and like what they're worth and what they're going to be worth in the future and and all that stuff and then you get seasons like this, that, and I guess maybe if you want to say playoffs like this, although I don't know if we want to be that specific, and it just shows how nobody knows a fucking thing. And It's very humbling if, yeah. you, if you keep track, and Twitter sort of, you know, you write, I write. The, the more you write, the more susceptible you are to being devastatingly wrong. You know? <laughs> I, remember, I remember arguing with you saying, the Knicks can't draft Mikhail Bridges because you're just getting a guy who's like Mikhail Bridges. You need to swing for the fences. And I was okay with that at the time, but my answer to it was like maybe Kevin Knox. And so you'd be so much better off with who you wanted, Mikhail Bridges, although you could have swung for the fences with Porter Jr. or maybe Shea. But uh, it's just very humbling to have opinions publicly over time because you realize – no matter how much pride you take, you're going to take some massive L's. Well, like, so look, I, I'm fine. Be well, I mean, look, obviously I'm fine being wrong. Otherwise I wouldn't have a podcast or like, write a <laughs> newsletter. <laughs> but like what I was, what I was going to say is it's like, it's there's, there's like thinking, you know, the thing and then being wrong about the thing. And then there's, having an opinion about the thing based on what we're, what is literally right in front of our faces and is pretty rock solid, at least in terms of the thing that we are seeing is the actual thing that is right. And then having that thing materially change, mm -hmm. which is, you know, in case you can't tell, I'm like transitioning into the Simmons discussion. Cause like, I, you know, I like went back, it was maybe even, I think at the end of the last week, cause I kind of got a sense of where this was going and I went back and like looked at his numbers, you know, of, of like stretches of games without Joel, not this year, but like, you know, previous years and just like watched what he's capable of doing, like throw in any highlight tape and stuff. And you're like, there's a reason this guy was in the conversation of like top 10 assets in the NBA. Like we weren't making that up. We weren't. That wasn't projection. That was like. Here's the thing that we're all seeing. It's and poor Zingas was right next to him. So, <laughs> but but here's the it's thing. Swirled. It's how much. Well, I don't know that we'll ever really know how much of that is the injury, how much of that is lack of the. But even like, okay, Porzingis 
when Porzingis was really happening for those three glorious weeks, right? Mm-hmm, at the beginning mm-hmm. of whatever the fuck season it was, which I've lost track of. 18, maybe 17, 18. Forget. Like there was some hot shooting there that, and again, the sample size was literally, it was like, it was the first time we were seeing that shooting on that volume um, when he was getting that attention. And then the shooting started to subside. And then before we knew which was real, he, um, came down in a, a, a you know, a lump on, uh, on the court. And, and first he was very, very tired. And then he was in a lump. Yeah. How could we forget the tired part of it? Like <laughs> Ben Simmons was like, all the respect to Chris Ops. Ben Simmons was like, talk about a much longer sample size and like a, a much more to me, at least cognizable ceiling of like, Oh, like what, what, what could this be? If, if there was a team built around this guy and I don't, I'm not even sure. Are we still at the point where, well, I got, I'll ask you, are you still at the point where you're curious what that looks like? Or are you just like, I, well, where, where are you? Where, where Ben Simmons is concerned? Um, I mean, I'm really, really disappointed. I'm frustrated. Um, I have, I have my, my theories. I've got my, um, my scapegoats. Uh, I guess I would say at this point I'm a supporter because a lot of Sixers fans are like, he can't, he can't be back. He cost us the series. He can't come back. And I don't think it's, it's that simple. Um, I think, I don't think his sort of offensive meltdown was predictable. I didn't think he would essentially become Markel Fultz at the free throw line. I couldn't have seen that coming. Who? Well, in fairness, who could have seen that coming like to that extent could couldn't have seen it coming but um i I did write thousands and thousands of words since the turn of the year that they're not using him right and all the times we've ever seen him play well like you see you bring up those highlight games he's not just you know he now he crosses half court and he hands off to seth or toby and then he just retreats to the dunker spot. And that's kind of been his role since the all-star break. I don't know if something changed. Don't know if he's having an off the court emotional thing going on. Uh, I know there is something out there between his sister and his stepbrother. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So there's, you know, there's some off the court stuff going on, but there was a very palpable change in the way he was utilized in the composition of the offense that I had a big problem with. Cause I, I would say, you know, if you looked at game five against the Wizards in the second half, they used him as a point guard, which they have almost never done this season. Like they just gave him the ball and they said, um, make stuff happen, please. And he did. He played really well. And then they did almost none of that in the next series. And the big variable there is Joel Embiid. When Embiid is in the lineup, he, he seems pretty comfortable to defer. He seems pretty comfortable to hand it to Seth and then just go hide in the dunker spot. John Hollander just called it the puker spot because <laughs> he's worthless there. <laughs> That's a little hard. So to me, if I had to defend him, I would say something like, you know, the, the part of your job that you hate the most, I don't know what it is, grading papers, handing out punishment to your students. <laughs> if yeah. you had to only do that, only <laughs> That and only that, and it was publicly televised, maybe you'd start making much more mistakes and we'd see a miserable version of you. I, I think that's I, I certainly think that's as good a theory as any. Like um 
I'll go back. So the reason why I, I wanted to have you on one, because I, I like talking basketball with you. And this was as good an excuse as any. I appreciate uh, it. Let me let me jump in and say I love following you for years now. I love following you this year. You had a smash year and it was so uh, fun to see because you deserved it. This year was uh, actually fun and there was actual basketball to cover and not like does Frank deserve four more minutes per game? <laughs> Because I loved having those conversations those, on every those. podcast. Oh God! But this was. Uh, but congratulations on a great year. Well, that's very kind and unnecessary. But thank you. Um, so okay. So now you got me blushing here. Um, and you've had a great year too, by the way, which is again why I wanted to have you on. Thank um, you. But you know, I, I I really I think back to to Julius, right? And like, you know, I was skeptical of the Julius signing. Um, like a lot of people for, you know, obvious reasons. We don't, we don't really need to go back, but like there were, there were reasons to be skeptical. And, and if, if anybody looks back and like, Oh, well, those were stupid reasons. Well, guess what? If they were stupid reasons, um, somebody would have given him more than three uh, years to get too fully guaranteed for, you know, essentially, you know, the salary of the 50th highest paid player in the league. Um, so they weren't stupid reasons. And then he came in here and he was, like the worst version of himself. And then you fast and then, you know, the second two thirds of last year or the, you know, the 2019, 20 season, he, it was better, but like he was better, but it was still like, it was not what you want. And it still left a big sour taste. And then this year, like, you know, okay, fine. You want to say everything changed because he was able to step behind the, the line or the arc and hit a three confidently. Like, okay, I'll buy that to a certain extent. And obviously the long mid rangers were, were a big part of that too. And yeah, that, that that's responsible for a lot, but like there was a complete and total mentality shift. Um, and aside from the shooting, there was no, skill development on his part in terms of like why he was able to be what he was able to be this year. And actually I would argue there was a skill drop off because the thing that if you said, what is Julius's calling card coming into his first year with the Knicks, anybody with a brain would have been like, Oh, he's a great finisher. Just give him the ball, let him go roll downhill. And he's going to figure out a way to put the ball in the basket because his numbers and volume justified that, that description. And guess what? He hasn't been able to do for two years. It's fucking finished. We we hope that comes back. But like you get the point, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's like that's I don't know if I want to say that was an above the you know, above the neck thing. Like the team the Knicks were a shit show with the Mills and, and Perry regime where they walked into the locker room and like you must win and you must pass to win and our asses are all on the line. Like it, this was a much better situation this year. So now I bring it back to Simmons. Like, I mean, I guess I'll just ask you this simple question. Does he need to leave? Like, is he is is his is his successful career not with the Sixers? I don't think it has to be. I mean, you know, Daryl Morey yesterday had a press conference and he gave some GM speak. I'm committed to Ben. My job is to evaluate the three ways to improve a team draft for agency trade. And we're going to do that. Um, so, you know that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a GM. That's basically what he said, which is not a resounding endorsement. I know, uh, what was it like nine months ago? He said, Ben Simmons will be here, which, uh, wound up looking which disingenuous was a <laughs> because he did shop him for James Harden famously. 
Do you? So, I, I know. I know you don't. Nobody knows the answer to this. But do you think that was just a Fortita thing, or do you think it was Fortita plus? Um, I I would say Fortita plus. Okay. But um, yeah, I Fortita plus. I'll go with that. Okay, that's. I just um, I don't. It I don't think it matters at this point. But I was just curious what you because they didn't I, get PJ Tucker either. So you know. Yeah, no, that's true. That's that's a good point. I, wow, I never thought of that. Um, okay, anyway, so Daryl said what he said now. He said what he said nine months ago. We know from even before this year not to perhaps take Daryl at his word. But this was uh, even less, you know? Yeah, okay, I got you. So I do think that the I think that they would basically shop everyone except Joel Embiid, and I think I might put Seth in that category. Seth shoots like 50% from three. He's a Curry brother, and Daryl just got slapped on the wrist with a tampering fine for saying, come join him. And he's Doc <laughs> Rivers' son-in-law. So there's plenty of reasons to keep Seth. I think everyone else might find their name in a rumor or at least you know, an off-the-table uh, conversation. Um, yeah, I, I just... Uh, it, you know, obviously, look, we're not the first people to come on a pod and have the Simmons trade discussion. Everybody's it's like if you have an NBA podcast, you're required to talk about this. I, I, I don't you know, I don't know that I have any great take on this. I just. Other than to say it seems silly to reduce. I mean, th- OK, this goes without saying it seems silly to reduce a guy to forget two weeks to even, you know, half a season to your, to your point before about this was really a mid season change. I just don't know. Like if I'm a GM and I'm watching these playoffs and I know it's like recency bias since these players, but really it's like, it's been every playoffs for a few years now. And you see who are the players that make a difference on the floor. It's, it's like the same list of qualities. It feels like, like, can you shoot? Can you move with the ball? Can you make, can you run a pick and roll? Can you make a simple pass out of the pick and roll? Um, and if you can't do any of those things, are you either, um, you know, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, or, you know, a lob threat um, who preferably can also protect the rim really well and, and switch in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, that's, that's what basketball is now, right? Are we, are we on the same page? Pretty much. Okay. That seems oversimplistic, but, and and I say that because like, okay, Ben Simmons, look, I don't, whether the shooting is a choice, whether it's a mental thing, whether it's a, I don't really give a shit. He's never going to be some kind of a horizontal threat. We, we know that. So then it's like, okay, even if you don't reduce Ben Simmons down to the last, let's say four months and you are like, we, we want to make our team and, potentially the best version of a team run by Ben Simmons is, do you think that is worth it for forget, put the Sixers aside because they're, you know, Joel is there and he's obviously not going anywhere, nor should he. Um, Do you think, would you make that investment if you were a team? Would I want Ben Simmons? Basically, I guess that's what I'm asking you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some teams where I would really want him. I mean, I would love him if I were the Blazers and I didn't have to part with Dame, for example, uh, there's some scenarios where I would love him. If I were uh, Toronto, I would think. That's an interesting um, one. I thought about that one. I think, you know, you, you, it would take a smart GM who's willing to accommodate just the Sixers this season. were not willing to accommodate, you know, Ben is in that category that, 
challenges the way you describe playoff basketball and it's pretty small. Um, and it, this doesn't mean he's as good as these guys, but he's in this category with these guys like Bam, Giannis and Zion. For sure. Where he's not a point guard, but you do want to get him some dribble creation scenarios with a lot of room. Yeah. And so anyone doing that would have to be committed to that pretty much. Um, but but I, committed committed to that, I feel like, yeah, I completely agree with you. Everybody who's out there and being like, he should just be Draymond Green full time. Like I that no, like this is you you get the Ben Simmons, so the ball is in Ben Simmons's. Well, I mean, let me rephrase that. The ball is in Draymond Green's hands a lot of the time. He is the point guard of the um, of the Warriors. We we know that, but it, it's like it, the 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 purpose of Draymond Green is for Draymond Green not to shoot. I do not believe that the purpose of Ben Simmons in an ideal situation is not, not to shoot. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so it's, it can't just like, that's why I'm curious how a fit with a guy like Dame, because Dame obviously wants, wants the ball and should have the ball a lot too. So it has to be almost like a, a blending of a, of a situation. Is, do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm off base here? No. Yeah. I think, you know, on the high end of the spectrum, there's Dame. Dame uh, could make, pretty much any pass and command so much attention that he could find ways to simulate what you always want to do is get Ben downhill. He's so good in transition. Can you get him downhill in the half court? So one of the ways is maybe four out. Everyone's a spot up shooter. Um, Sixers never do that. And then the other way would be a role man space the floor, like Clint Capella in Houston or Atlanta and, you know, Dame would unlock – even Fred Van Vliet would unlock a lot of that. If you, For sure. Uh, yeah. So that's what I would look to do if I had him. Yeah. I um, – you know, obviously I'm always thinking about things from a Knicks perspective. It, You know, Julius shoots it now. RJ, his shot came a long way. Um, you know, they could draft a shooter. They could re-sign Bullock. Like there's – you know, there's things they could do. I'm – it feels like a clunky fit. There's just like something about the idea of Simmons and Randall together, let alone RJ. Who's like, yes, the shot came along a lot, a big uh, in a big way, but he's also a guy who profiles as he's going to want the ball more and more. And hopefully God willing, he's going to deserve that. Um, having that desire be justified, so to speak. Um, even so I'm like a little surprised no one has brought up the Knicks as a potential possibility just from a theory, not like a, a rumor, but like as a theoretical, from a theoretical perspective, just because they are the most point guard needy team in the league. Um, and they're, they're clearly, you know, pining for a star. Um, I, there's also maybe the fact that there's like no obvious deal. It would have to be a three team where some team would want a bunch of our picks and potentially young players. And then like, you guys would get a player and, and, but like, I, I don't know. Um, could you imagine Simmons on the Knicks or, and if the answer is no, that's fine. Cause I think it's probably no. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, if I were the Knicks, I would look into all potential by low stars. And I know Ben at this point um, it might, might border on that. Like I, here, here would be my fear. Like you, all the reasons you named, they're not like the Hawks a year ago where they had all these shooters and you didn't know exactly what this team was, but you didn't know they were doing some sort of experimentation where they've got a ton of shooters. Yeah. The Knicks are not that. 
Um, so it's not an ideal fit. What about, I would be looking at ways to find stars. The one thing that would scare me is did this experience sort of, could it Markel Fulton where he has a really nice summer working on his shot and for three months it's going in. And as soon as he has a, a road game in Memphis or worse, like in LA on TV, that feeling comes back and he can't hit a free throw. And now it's stuck with him. That would be my fear for both the Sixers or an acquiring team. That's so that's the thing is it's like, if you're going to un upend everything, right. You're going to upend the whole apple cart to bring Ben Simmons and, and commit to making Ben Simmons work for your team. Mm-hmm. That's like after that's where I think the, as you, as you, the first thing you said, the mental or I don't know, mental, emotional, like that part has to come into play. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for the whole, like, I forget who someone just said it, but you probably talked about it. Like you look at Kentucky because these guys have been on a huge stage. That experience matters. Ben played, you know, in Australia, Florida, LSU. He didn't have that stage. He wasn't in the tournament. Um, and sometimes you wonder like, well, what will happen when he has to handle the massive, massive pressure? How but is Philly, but you said, come on, it's Philly. Everything, come on, that's pressure, right? Oh, there's a ton. That's what I mean. There's so you're going from none to a ton. But he's done it in. I'm. He's as he didn't do it just now, but over the guy made three All Star teams. Like he clearly has, has done it. He he has he has. Um, but it's not something that you feel like a thousand, Like sometimes being a little bit sociopathic is a good thing. You know, Kobe Bryant, Kawhi Leonard, no soft skills. <laughs> and <laughs> what I wanted to see. My yeah. biggest criticism of Ben Simmons is this. They're not utilizing you right. So when for the 1,000th time when Tobias Harris sprints up to you for a dribble handoff that's going to lead to an ISO and he's shooting 8 of 24 and can't hit a layup, wave him off. Say no. Get out of my way. You too, get out of the paint. Joel, you get out of the paint too. I want to take – I want to go poster bogey. And, or, and if we had just seen him do that or yell at Doc Rivers, I would have honestly felt a lot better about it. But he was either timid or a great soldier, and somehow neither worked for him. And so, you just watched it on TV unfold where you were like, oh, this is getting painful. That's, that, that's my point of confusion because we have seen players. Let's say Ricky, Ricky Rubio has gotten better shooting it um, willingly over the last few years. But like for a lot of years, I think you could argue that one, that Ricky Rubio's biggest fault was that he didn't maybe shoot it in situations where he, like he, he so much wanted to facilitate. Right. And that's just the first example that comes to my head. I'm sure there's better yeah, examples. Dude can't shoot. Yeah. Well, he, okay. But can't, but also else. it felt like he, to me, he always seemed like a guy who, was like didn't he didn't want the spot like he just wanted his team to to do well and I think all the numbers for many many years bore that out because his teams just did better when he was on the floor like they subsided over the last few years but like so Simmons the th- the quote that got me after game seven wasn't even the um the one that's been making the rounds it's where he was like uh uh it is what it is and you know I am like, what I am I am what I uh, it's um, and I didn't see this printed. I saw it, or I, I forgot, someone referenced it. 
It was maybe in your, maybe it was in your own article. I forget if I'm misattributing that. I apologize. How many like, assists did I have? How many? Yeah, like, that shoot? one. Exactly. Yeah. So that to me is like, he wants to be seen as a great player. Well, I, of course he wants to be seen as a great player, right? But like the numbers matter to him. So if the, like for that same guy to be, like the to, to to be like I don't want to score, but but then it gets back to then it must be in his head that he feels like he can't, like or it doesn't want to I don't know if it's a I don't want to end up with the lion like that I it's just it's you you go these twists and turns and it's like then you then you okay so then you're having these conversations with your front office about do we trade for Ben and that's why I find it hard to believe like what is a trade going to look like this summer and I don't know the answer because like yeah you know there's a good book. Um, Astro ball, which has a very different feel to it after their cheating scandal, the Houston Astros. Um, and it talked about one of the things they look for and they were deep, deep in analytics, but one of the things they looked for and they couldn't quantify it was a growth mindset. And okay. so that's, that's a fair criticism of Ben because for several off seasons, we have heard these things. I think it was a year ago where our local, I don't know who the New York city equivalent is of Howard Eskin, but he was like, what are you going to do to learn to shoot? What are you going to do this summer? Yeah. And, and Ben said repetition. It might've been two years ago, actually. Uh, ben said repetition. And I thought, Oh no, well, that's not going to work. Shaq <laughs> could have shot 4 billion shots all summer. He's not going to shoot. Yeah. Well, you got to change your form. So you don't want to hear that. You want to hear, I'm going to work with the very best and I'm going to move my elbow in. And you know, the stuff that we heard from, from RJ Barrett and Drew Hanlon that he worked on. He, there was some such specific stuff. He was like, RJ is a lefty. And usually you want to get a guy's yeah. elbow in. Yep. But with a lefty, we actually moved RJ's elbow out. And that's the stuff you want to hear. And, 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 and even more generally than that, like the, that, that article that you're referencing with RJ specifically was like, and next summer I'm going to work on my wiggle in the lane. And the summer after that, I'm going to work on my finishing. That's implicitly acknowledging that I'm not good at those things right now. Growth, which, it's a growth mindset. Yeah. Which spoiler alert. He, he isn't. And, and, and um, you had a tweet. He had like a terrible turnover on the baseline before the half of one of those Hawks games at home. And you were like, you could just see how hard he is on himself. And I, yeah. appreci- I appreciate that. Yeah, and that's fantastic. But then, like, but I, I, but at the same time, I can't for the life of me imagine that Simmons has gotten this far without some of that. But I, I don't. Is is it just he's in his own echo chamber, or he's listening to like the thing about the um, I forget the coach's name that he was supposed to work with, and then decided not to and work with his brother and said like that shit's. That's not what you want. Um, That's, no, I, I hated that. I wrote about th- hating that. Um, some of these guys, they wear their hearts in their sleeve. Luca bops his head when he's frustrated. He punches himself. Jokic just can't hide any feeling. If he, he's, you know, he's hilarious with if you watch Jokic. Really oh, he's great. That's what makes him awesome. Teammates, um, and it, it makes them endearing. You can see when they're frustrated. You can see when they're jubilant. Um, and, and with Ben, it's very different. So he's just not that kind of guy. I mean, he's just, he's a supreme talent and the ceiling is there. Kobe Bryant talked about it. Kobe Bryant was like, look what this guy's doing without a jump shot. Can you even fucking imagine? <laughs> I remember um, that. That was great. But, um, 
but it, he doesn't have one. And it, it's hard to say, like it took Blake Griffin four years of working with one of the very, very best Bob Tate who also worked with Jason Kidd to get it. So who knows? And, and, and Blake Griffin was a poster boy of the league and he mm-hmm. still went back to work because he knew he needed to. Um, he also it's gonna, partying it, in too, but yeah, he went to work. <laughs> it's a fascinating situation. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road, but if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So the Sixers and the Knicks are in the same division. Um... I think one way or the other, like the Sixers will enter next next year um, as a as a contender again. I mean, I don't, I don't know what specifically how how that's going to happen. I guess we'll yeah, see. Well, Joel Embiid's offseason knee surgery or not surgery that'll be huge. But uh, if I, the if he gets a surgery, is when would he be slated to come back? I, I want to say it's like a six to eight week thing. But when you talk oh, okay. about a seven footer, two eighty, maybe it's fourteen. You know, I always, who knows? Yeah, but at the same time, like for as much shit as Doc maybe has gotten um, over the last few weeks, like I trust Doc to stay above water with a team, you know, that has Tobias and um, you know some shooters and like whatever they, if it's Simmons, whatever they get for Simmons, like what, like I, I that's that's where you want Doc. It's kind of like Tibbs a little bit. Um, so like, whatever they're, they're going to be there next season. Um, the Knicks, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like if like how soon they could get in that, I mean, I, like everybody Knicks fan is curious how soon they could get in that class because like, you look, you know, Sixers, it's, it's Brooklyn, both teams in the division, Toronto, obviously just got the fourth pick in the draft They're I know, right. Exactly. Exactly. What Masai Ujiri needed is the fourth pick in the draft. I have, I have this one nightmare the Sixers offered like Danny Green and Tyrese Maxey and like one pick and a second for Lowry. Can you imagine he turns that down and then winds up with Ben Simmons instead of Maxey for Lowry or somehow and the fourth pick? Anyway, I, I have- <laughs> I'm I'm so I'm I'm worried about just that like now they're gonna end up with um, Jalen Green and Jalen Green is gonna be the next. I, I don't know what, what what's the what's the op, most optimal comp for Jalen Green. I don't even know that there is a perfect one in the NBA today. Yeah, but I don't know. It's like exactly what you want, um, and they're going to get that guy. Um, but we'll we'll see. I don't. I'm, I'm, the the by the way, Cleveland getting third, I think, is like such a fascinating subplot for for the upcoming draft because. A, who wants to go to Cleveland? <laughs> B, Cleveland has obviously uh, Garland and Sexton, and it's like. And they're going to be faced with Suggs, who's the best player on the board, I would think. 
Assuming Mobley goes to Houston, yeah. Assuming Mobley goes to Houston, I think he would. I mean, I watched like five minutes of this YouTube and no more, and I was like, wow. I mean, like we we could talk uh, up and down about how it's a guards league and this and that. Like every year, the center goes early. It's like just you know, we 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 thought like, oh, Wiseman, maybe he's gonna fall to this that. No, no, second big. But when they can move like Jaron Jackson Jr. I know, I know. You're like, whoa. No, and he could protect the rim, and he could he he's a passer too. He if there's ever a guy who deserves to go second, it's it's him. Um, so yeah, Toronto's going to be there. They're they're actually going to be back in Toronto also. Um, you know, I mean, people clowned the 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 Boston, you know, the Kemba trade, which deserved probably a, a little bit of clowning, but like they still got those two guys, and they'll you know they'll figure out a way. I just it's. This is like I can't even remember a division in my life this as tough as the Atlantic is shaping up to be for the foreseeable future. Because that's the thing is like unless you think all those Brooklyn guys are gonna like go their separate ways in a year or like you know suddenly forget how to play basketball. Um, no, I think they're gonna be on a mission next year. Oh man, I they were my finals pick before the season. Um, I thought they would lose to the Lakers, um, but yeah, before, they couldn't stay. Before Harden, you had him in the finals. I go back and read my preseason prediction wow. column. I had Lakers. I had Lakers Nets, and I had to write that in a Knicks fucking newsletter. So that was not easy for me to do. But I did. <laughs> it was your own pessimism projected. <laughs> I just I have too much respect for for Durant, um, and I also and well and well deserved. Yeah, he's he's pretty so good. ridiculous. Um, you know, but I also had a, f- I thought that they would get Harden. Um, and that was another thing I got. A lot of people got mad at me. Like, what do you think? Just because James Harden really wants to go to Brooklyn, he's going to wind up in Brooklyn. And I was like, yeah, basically. I didn't I'd- think, I, I didn't think Levert would head, you know, good, yeah. good on you. It, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, I just, um, that's like sitting here and talking about the division and how hard it's going to be and how, you know, hard to, and I mean, who that we could be talking about a Milwaukee championship in, in two weeks for all we, or whatever, a month for all we know. And like where the East is at and like, you know, Atlanta's not going anywhere. It's like that, that's why I'll sit here and I'll talk to you about like Ben Simmons is like, is he a, a trade target? Because, you know, when we always talk about this, getting a star and how we, you could dance around it as much as you want. But, you know, I think it's 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 a big is it fair to say you think it's a big offseason for the Knicks or do you because I, I there are some Nick fans who are like, it's not a big offseason. We like we're it's it's gravy like we get a free year because of last year. I think it's a big offseason for them. And I think there's some pressure on uh, I, I, I would come down. I haven't thought about it as carefully as you, but I would come down closer to the other way. I'm like, I don't know that they they love this free agent class. So I don't think I, they do either. So I could see them just sort of, quote, you know, quote, punting with a couple balloon deals or something and giving Thibs more of what he wants because I'm sure he earned a little bit larger of the voice equity by saying, look, we, if, I, if you had given me one of those guys I wanted, so maybe they'll give him one or two guys he really wants this time, at least on one-year deals. Um, but in terms of a big offseason, will they, will they bundle – do you think they'll bundle their picks? I, I think they'll try. Um, you want to hear the crazy ass idea I had this morning that Please. I woke up with when I, um, I didn't, I uh, um, missed on ESPN where Woj reported that Cleveland is going to shop their, their pick wow. for, uh, for a, a win now veteran. I started, I thought to myself, I'm like, 
who who in the league wants <laughs> we get ready for this. I was like, who? Cause I know the Knicks have been doing their homework on uh, green for like over a year. Um, and he, obviously he's signed with CAA. So you have that going for you too. Um, and he just, he profiles as a guy that like Wes and, and Perry also would want, like, do they send Randall to Cleveland? And then we take, and then we take love's contract and, um, and, uh, you know, the pick for green and the, obviously we'd send them like probably a bunch of picks, too. But I'm like, no, they would never send Julius Randle to Cleveland. <laughs> so I'm like, is that like a three team deal or something? That was my crazy thought this morning. Wow. I, I mean, if I were the Knicks, I would be interested in that. Of um, course you would. But the, again, that's the thing is it's like they're not going to do they might trade. I'm not saying they're not going to trade Julius Randle. They're not trading him to fucking Cleveland. That's for sure. <laughs> Is Julius Randle's um, extension like a, a lock? Would you say is he going to get like? like it, I mean, to, to me, if he if he wants it, it's it should be a lock. I okay. Just, you don't think it, the Knicks would have paused after the series he had, saying, "Are we sure we want to?" I, do it? I, 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 I don't. I would be guessing. I have no idea. Um, my, if I were them, I would not have pause. Um, sure, I, yeah. I, I. I I believe in Randall as a worker. I believe in him as a character guy. I believe in him after this year as a leader, quite frankly. Um, That's why I like, you know, for as as much as I just said what I said, like, I don't, I don't want to trade Julius Randall. I want Julius Randall to be back. I mean, I know that makes your team building questions a little bit more complicated because he's not the most ideal fit, but um, now you have to build so that he's your second or third guy somehow, Yeah, which is, you know, it's tricky. It's a little bit trickier than him than it is with some other guys. But um, look, that's that's why uh, you have your you have your your your, your brain trust with World Wide West. And uh, right. hopefully he keeps his, his shirt on for, for the <laughs> upcoming Zoom call. I know you appreciated that, too. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, this was this was fun. We've been bullshitting here for 40 minutes. I got to run because um, my uh, so this is the wonders of working from home. My wife needs the, the podcast studio now, a.k.a. the, the desk. Um, can you before I let you go well, for any any closing thoughts before I get you to um, pimp yourself out? Closing thoughts um, on I'll anything be, you want. Dave, Dave just, Early has the mic. I will be very, very curious to see if the Knicks want to take. Uh, what is it, 1921 and 32 or whatever, and try to get up to like 14 or 15, if that's a possibility, would they do that? Or do they just want more bullets in the chamber, which would mean Fibs loses a couple veterans off the end of his roster? Um, I That's a big question for me. The only player I have not, and I have not dug deep yet on this guy, but the only player in that range who you would think would make them want to, because like, yes, uh, Jackson from Kentucky is like, okay, he's a CAA guy. Um, he's a, obviously a Kentucky guy. Like they could, like, I, I'm a big believer. I think cheap centers are like the, I don't know about the wave of the future because I think teams are, are employing that strategy right now. Um, the Knicks just employed that strategy for four years with Mitchell Robinson. Um, you know, if you can't get an Embiid or, or a Jokic or something, like, I don't think they're going to trade up for Jackson though. Um, so the guy that would seem to me to be that guy is Davion, um, Davion Mitchell. I just, I don't know what the ceiling is there. Like you make that trade for a ceiling play, right? He's a junior. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's older and he's going to be 23 very soon. 
yeah, and I get he put it all together. Like, the skills have always kind of been there with him, and, like, he did put it together this year. So it's like, you know, you could you could talk yourself into it. I just don't know if they will. I personally would not mind them taking some some bites at the apple. Um, but, you know, I... I trust their I trust their brain trust. Famous last Your words, job but. security is always at risk if you move up because it's inevitable that someone after between pick 16 and 60, someone's going to be better. And then there's going to be that New York Post article that says, had oh, they yeah. stayed where they were, they could have taken the best player available and two others. The, the, the trade that I want that I, I uh, not pitched, but like kind of low-key pitched in, in uh, the newsletter today was uh, take on Bledsoe and get 10 and then we send not 19 and 21 we send 19 or 21 along with 32 and uh and i guess kevin knox um, uh, i would i would take blood so for 10 if it cost me um those later picks it's, it's only four million guaranteed in uh 22 23 i mean look Derek blood so could play point guard for me for a year what the fuck why not yeah you're better than alfred well, so are you and me and um, anybody. Oh, we got uh, some some breaking news here. We got um, uh, Udoka, your your former assistant coach, as it yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Congrats to um, Ime, right? Is how you pronounce his first Ime, name. Ime, yeah. He'll be a good fit in Boston. That's a good. That's a good. He's hire. their new head coach. Yeah, just okay. uh, Woj just announced it. Um, I thought he would. I thought he was going to get the Chicago job, and then for some reason they wanted Donovan because he had a good series against Houston. I, I wouldn't have minded if he was the. I mean, it's obviously worked out well for for the Knicks, but I wouldn't have minded if he was the Knicks coach. He's he just nothing but. I mean, good things said about him. He was obviously with the Spurs, so yeah. Um, His value took a hit because the Sixers didn't look good in the bubble. And he was supposedly their defensive coordinator. Um, that might have cost him a job a year okay. ago. I didn't. But, I didn't realize that. But the okay. Nets looked so good with like one of their three stars all year that they all look better. Well, we'll see what happens. In there, you go. Stay in the division. Stay. You just yeah. uh, he. So he went from Philly to Brooklyn to he did. He did. That's <laughs> a very Boston. NFL thing, isn't it? <laughs> that is a very NFL thing. It's good. Um, okay, now I will ask you to tell the folks at home where they could find you and your stuff. I'm at David Early on Twitter, D-A-V-I-D-E-A-R-L-Y. I write for Liberty Ballers. Um, I will probably be defending Ben Simmons, even if I would also shop him this summer. Um, I wouldn't just take peanuts on the dollar for him. So, uh, And I have a podcast called No Particular Hurry, which is uh, the Sixers play-by-play guy, Mark Zumoff's version of a posting and toasting, as oh, Clyde awesome. would say. Um, you'll have to find an excuse to get me on there at some point. Um, I would love to this offseason. Hopefully, we're, we'll we'll make up some some fake topic for us to talk about. Just yeah, yeah. Have an excuse to do this again. Um, Dave Early, you're awesome. Um, thank you for coming on, and uh, everybody out there, thank you for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We will be back with you for some more fun and games before you know it. 